Meekness is strength. Humility is strength. And you've got a pastor and a bishop that model that spirit. They're meek. They're humble. And I believe when you have a leader and leadership, so many other of you as well, that are meek and humble, the sky is the limit Amen. for this church and what, what God can do through you. Amen. Amen. The sky is the limit. Don't don't let anyone fool you and think that someone who has a tender and meek spirit uh, has, a, has a low leadership ceiling. It's completely the opposite. The ceiling is high. The sky is the limit. Someone once said meekness Humility, rather, is not denying denying power. It's just recognizing that the power flows through you and not from you. Amen. And, and that's one thing I believe your pastor and your bishop uh, symbolizes and represents. And so thankful for that. Amen. I really, really am thankful for that. Amen. Well, now that my honoring is passed and we can get past the mushy stuff, amen, get into the Word of God. Amen. John 12, 28 through 30. And if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here. Yes. More importantly, Jesus is glad that you're here. Amen. Amen. You're not here by accident. Amen. I don't believe in coincidences. Amen. 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 And uh, it's just an honor to get to see all the beautiful saints of God here this morning. Honor to have my lovely wife with me as well. Amen. Amen. John 12, 28 through 30, without further ado, it says this. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said it was an angel that spoke to him. But Jesus answered and cleared up the whole confusion. And he said, the voice came not because of me, but for your sake. Yeah. For your sake. Look at your neighbor and say, for your sake. For your sake. Look at your other neighbor and say, for your sake. Amen. What I want to talk to us about this morning with the help of the Lord is the voice. I want to talk to you this morning about the voice. Now, before we put down our Bibles and pray, I just want to say this, that I believe God is going to confirm his word this morning. Yes. There are still people in this house that need the baptism of the Holy Ghost yes. and never received Christ's spirit yes. into them. You can be filled this morning. Yes. We've had, thank God, three filled with the spirit so yes. far. And some people baptized and some people healed. But God is just getting started. Yes. Don't for one moment think that this is the pinnacle. Amen. That this yes. is just the tip of the iceberg. And there's a whole, whole beautiful uh, thing below that. There's, there's revival like you've never seen. There's an outpouring like you've never seen. So with faith and expectation for yourself and for your neighbor. Why don't you pray right now as we're praying for yourself and for someone that you know needs the Holy Ghost in this place. For someone that you know that God has been dealing with. Come on, God's not done. We're going to have a move of God and a Holy Ghost explosion here on Sunday morning. Why? Because God's presence is here. Why? Because God loves you and God loves me. Amen. And he's going to move in this place where two or three are gathered in his name. He's there in the midst of them. We can only love him because he first loved us. Why don't we thank him for that love? Why don't we praise Him for that love? Why don't we pray in expectation and in faith in what God is going to do and what only God can do? Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. We're softening our hearts. We're praying ourselves for what God wants to do in our hearts and our minds. We're thanking Him for what He's done and we're thanking Him for what He's going to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One more time before you're seated, would you put your hands together and a great big glorious applause for Jesus.
Thank you for standing. Amen. And thank you for the music team as well. I believe that there is a voice that speaks and is speaking to all of humanity. I believe that more people would hear this voice if they would not spend all their effort and their time trying to drown it out. Humans will spend copious amounts of time and money in an effort to drown this voice out. We could try to drown out the voice with relationships or money, recognition, fame, various other mind-altering substances, addiction, pleasure, entertainment. However, I do not believe that this voice can ever truly be stifled by our own methods. No matter how hard we try, I believe, Brother Camarena, there will always be a voice telling us that there has got to be something more to life than money, than possessions, than careers and relationships. Those things are not bad in themselves. Those things can be used in many cases to further the kingdom of God. But there will always be a voice speaking to you and to me that there's got to be something more to our life than substance, than money, than addiction, than possessions, than than relationships, than parties on the weekend, than the next job promotion. There's got to be something more to our life. There must be more meaning than what we have have experienced in our own lives thus far. And that voice, that nagging, that there has to be something more. Listen to me, sir. Listen to me, ma'am. It will keep nagging. It will keep pushing. It will keep pulling. It will not stop until that voice is satisfied. It will not stop until you come to know that voice that's been speaking to you for the past few weeks, for the past few months, and yes, even for the past few years. We cannot drown out the voice, whether we immediately recognize that voice right now or not. 1 Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 through 10 records the upbringing of a young man named Samuel. He was raised in the temple and he was being mentored by the high priest Eli. We know the story. I'll go through it very briefly. Samuel, a young man laying in his bed at night, all of a sudden hears a voice. Of course, the only other person around is Eli. So he runs to Eli and said, did you call me? And Eli, a little bit frustrated, being woken up out of his sleep, says, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel goes back to bed and he hears the voice calling his name again. And so he runs to Eli again. Did you call me? Now Samuel's probably frustrated. Now Eli's frustrated, being woken up in the middle of the night. He said, no, boy, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel goes back to bed, amen, and the voice of the Lord uh, uh, calls for the third time. And Samuel runs to Eli again. And this time, Eli recognizes what is happening. And he says, he says, go back to your room. And the next time you hear that voice, acknowledge that that's the voice of God. The next time you hear that voice, say, here I am, Lord, speak whatever you want to speak to me. But here's the point. Verse verse 7 tells us the reason that Samuel did not recognize the voice of God. God spoke to Samuel three times. But Samuel did not recognize the voice of God. And the reason why is because he did not yet know the Lord. 
1 Samuel 3 and verse 7 tells us. The reason he did not recognize the voice of God is because he did not yet know the Lord. He did not yet know the God behind the voice. Yeah. Now listen, so many people do this whether they realize it or not when they begin hearing the voice. They don't know what it is. They can't understand it or make sense of it. But, but they begin hearing or feeling something. And so all of a sudden they'll run to that person that they believe is most closely connected to the supernatural. They'll, they'll, even though they've maybe never stepped foot in church in their life or don't have a prayer life of their own, all of a sudden they, they feel these shiftings and they start hearing things and feeling things and feel that nagging that there's got to be something more. So all of a sudden they're on the phone calling their praying grandmother yeah. and saying, Grandma, I don't know what all this is about and I don't even know if I believe this, but I know you pray and I know you go to church, so will you start praying for me? They will run to someone yeah. that they believe is connected to the voice. They will run to someone they Come believe on. is connected to the supernatural. And I believe somebody here in this house, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I believe this, that, that there has been a shifting and something occurring in your world and so you've been going to places you wouldn't normally go to to try to, to, try to figure out what's going on. Maybe you've been calling that one religious friend that you have in your phone book and, and saying, hey, would you would you pray for me? I just feel something going on in my life. Maybe that's why you're here at church this morning. And maybe, maybe you don't even normally come to church. And we're so glad you're here. But you're probably here because maybe maybe you felt a shifting. Maybe you felt like, yeah, I need to go. And I've been feeling like there's got to be something more. And maybe, just maybe, yeah. that I can get something from church that will fill that void Pray. that's been in my life. Yes. But just because Samuel did not recognize the voice does not mean the voice of God was not speaking to him. And just because you don't yet recognize the voice, because you may not yet know the Lord, does not mean the voice has not been speaking to you. That chasm of emptiness that you might feel. That nagging that there has to be something more to this meaningless existence in the 21st century. That is the voice of God. It is not just thunder. It is not just happenstance. It's not just not just ironic. It's not just an occasional feeling. That nagging that you're feeling. That emptiness that you're feeling. I would propose to you, sir. I would propose to you, ma'am, is the very voice and hand of God trying to let you know that yes, there is something more. He has to give you that feeling of emptiness in order for him to fill that hole of emptiness. He has to give you that magic. He has to let you know that there's something more so you can come to know him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But you must not try to drown out the voice when he begins speaking. And don't think that he is not speaking just because you don't yet recognize his voice. Yeah. People say, where has God been all my life? Where was God when I went through such and such? Where was God when that happened to me? Where was God when that car accident happened? Where was God when that near OD happened to me? Where, where, where was God in all of that? Where was God when my parents left? Where was God when my friends left? Where was God when my wife left? Where was God when my husband left? And you may not see it right now. And you might have a lot of good questions to ask. And let me tell you, God's not afraid of your questions. Right. He loves questions. He's happy to help you with them and answer them. 
But, but, but you're asking those questions now. But I'm telling you, once you come to know the voice of God, once you come to know Him personally, amen, you will be able, once you've received His Spirit inside of you, you will be able, in hindsight, to look back and see and realize just how much He really was with you. And realize that even though you thought He wasn't speaking, He was there the entire time. And even though you're mad at Him because you, you had to get in that car wreck, you look back and realize, well, if it wasn't for Him, I, I see now that miraculously my life was spared and you can get mad about this and that but you look back in hindsight and realize God was really there with me and really there speaking to me and trying to get my attention the entire time yes, amen. hallelujah hallelujah amen I, I, I share this example uh, I've shared it multiple times but I just it's just something that sticks home to me because it's real life and, and uh, I, I tell people my my wife, we've only been married for a few months, but she hears sometimes some of the same illustrations and same stories. And, and man, she's, she might be wanting to roll her eyes right now. <laughs> but I, uh, I tell this a lot, not just in church, but to people, a part of my journey. I went to college, Bible college, and I had to work two jobs to get through college. And one of the jobs I worked was at Sprint. And, man, and... Uh, and Again, selling selling things that, that I had to I had to make a living out of selling things that didn't work. Hey Amen. If you have Sprint, I just apologize to you right now. And maybe you can go get that fixed after service, transfer your line. Hey Amen. AT and T probably has a good deal. Maybe you should think about it, pray about it. But uh, I had to sell products that didn't work for a living. And um, I remember I was there one day and I was talking to my manager Gary. He's only a few years older than me, and, and another coworker Joe. And uh, we were talking about all kinds of stuff. We had plenty of time on our hands because no one wanted to come in the sprint. So we just sat there and talked all day and got paid for it, I guess. But so, so we're talking, and, and, um, and they ask me what my favorite television show is. And um, I, I tell them humbly and meekly, not, not trying to you know, stir the pot or anything, but I, just, I know the reaction I'm going to get when I tell them, well, I actually don't have a favorite TV show. I actually don't have one. And when I did, of course, like I thought, their eyes got as big as plates. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I don't even know what's on. I don't even know what's showing. And they said, why? I said, well, I've never owned a television. I've never had one. I've never really had the desire yeah. to have one. When we were kids, we just played outside and used our imagination. Go yeah. figure. And, uh, and, and so I, I didn't grow up with one. And again, their eyes really big. And, and so we're talking about it. They're talking about some of their favorite TV shows. And, and, and after I said that, they kind of got quiet. And, and it was all of a sudden, oddly, a serious moment. And they looked at me and they said, they said, honestly, though, I, you know, all jokes aside, I, I don't know how you live without a television. See, I, I couldn't live without my television. And hey, at least they were being honest. I mean, that, to me, that's a pretty stark, a heavy, a heavy uh, uh, admonition that, that you're, you're um, admitting that, a heavy admittance. But, but they admitted it. They were honest. And, and they said, I couldn't live without it. And they began to talk about why. And that's, that's when I really felt like my heart was being... Just, just pricked by what they were saying and, 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 and hurt for them. They said, you know, one of, one of them was a, was a 23-year-old manager. His wife had left him for, for uh, another man and left him with two children. And the other person was a recovering alcoholic, Joe. And, and uh, he was also on, a, I think, a second or third marriage and had been addicted to drugs before and just lived a hard life. And, and uh, really, Cameron, I did my best to witness to them and while I was there. And I still believe, amen, uh, it's not over for them. Amen. God still can save them. And so I talked to them. And, and they said, the reason why I couldn't live without the television, they said, when I go home every day from work, they said, the first thing that I do when I get in my car is I turn my radio on. 
and, and I just, I don't even know what I'm listening to. I don't even know what it is. I just let that, that background noise go in my ear. And then when I get home, the first thing I do is turn on my television. And honestly, I, I know by now that I could not even go to sleep if it was not for the lullaby of my television. And as they begin to explain why, they begin to be very honest and transparent. And they said, it's because of the thoughts that come into my mind the moment that I leave work. It's because of the thoughts that come in my mind the moment I get in my car alone and I've got that 30-minute drive home. It's because of my thoughts that come into my mind while, while, while I try to go to sleep. And if I don't have that television, that white noise, that background noise, drowning out my thoughts, then I wouldn't even be able to sleep. I, I, th- th- this picture that Joe and Gary described is not just their picture. It's the picture of thousands and I would say even millions all across our country. And it's a sad picture. I'm not saying we don't have hobbies. I'm not saying there's something wrong with flipping the radio on. That's not what I'm saying. What what I'm saying is that if you cannot even be alone with your own thoughts, if you can't even be alone and go to sleep at night because the thoughts you're afraid of, they're going to barrage your mind, that something is not right, that something is out of balance in in your life. And what Joe and Gary did not realize that they were doing is by doing that and turning to entertainment, turning to the TV and turning to Netflix and the alcohol and the Hulu and everything else, all the entertainment to just fill their mind and distract them without even realizing it, they were effectively drowning out or at least trying to drown out a very real and important voice that was trying to speak to them and say there has got to be something more to your life. That was the nagging they were feeling. That was the emptiness they were feeling. They didn't want to be alone with those thoughts that said, hey Joe, hey Gary, there's got to be something more to your life. But if they would just stop trying to drown out the noise, if they would stop trying to fill it with white noise, if they would stop trying to fill it with background noise, then maybe, just maybe, and I believe 100% that they could come to know the Lord because they would be able to hear that voice and realize, okay, I'm going to start searching. I'm going to go, I'm going to start trying to find what this nagging is about. I'm going to start trying to find the answers for my life. People that start seeking and start searching and stop trying to drown out the voice of God, those are the people that will find their answers. Those are the people that will, that will come to the house of the Lord eventually and come to know the truth and be filled with His Spirit because yes. God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, yes. but that all should come to repentance. But it's up to you and it's up to me to stop trying to drown out the voice of God with pleasure, with, with distraction, with everything that we can get our hands on. Why don't you pay attention to that nagging that says, yeah, there's got to be something wrong. That is not there to hurt you. That's not there to mess with you. God is not there to just beat you over the head. All of that is there to help you to say, come to me, son. Come to me, daughter. Yeah, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Hallelujah. There's more. There's more. I'll never forget hearing someone say, and it changed my life, the statement they said, meaninglessness. Meaninglessness. Everybody in this house wants meaning. Everybody in this church wants purpose. Without purpose and meaning, we're like animals. We've got to have it. And meaninglessness does not come from being weary of pain. Meaninglessness comes from being weary of pleasure. So stop trying to drown out the voice of God with pleasure. God 
can make sense of your pain. God can take ashes and make beauty out of them. God can take mourning and turn it into joy. Yes. God, God can work with trials. God can work with pain. Pain is not what makes life meaningless. Being weary of pain is not what makes life meaningless. It's when we're weary of pleasure. It's when we're trying to gorge ourselves and stuff ourselves with all the different pleasures of the world that we come to a place and realize, my God, my life is hope. My life is meaningless. Come on. The people that, that struggle with finding meaning in their life really are not the people living in third world countries that are in pain and impoverished. No, they're not struggling with meaning. They've got a lot of problems and things to deal with, but it's not really meaning they're struggling with. They can find meaning out of their trial, and, and that's why some of the most religious places are, are in impoverished third world areas. The people that are struggling with meaning the most are the people that live right here. In the good old-fashioned USA, yeah. the people with all the money they could ever want, with all the fame they could ever want, with all the relationships they ever want. It's not people in impoverished countries that are writing songs about how life is meaningless and hopeless, and they're on their 27th marriage, and they're looking for answers and sex and alcohol and everything else. No, 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 it's not those people. It's people right here in our country. It's people yeah. that are affluent. The people that struggle with meaninglessness and wondering what their life means are the ones that, that are filled with the most pleasure. This is why we cannot succumb to the spirit of the age and the spirit that's in this country of just, come on, just get more pleasure. Just get more pleasure. Come on. If, if you were just more like the celebrities and if you were just if you were just more like the people that had everything and if you were just more like those odd people in that little area called Hollywood, if you were just more like those people that have it all, then everything would be better. And yet when we look at those people that have it all and when we, when we read about their lyrics and when we read about their lives and when we hear the interviews or read the interviews, they are hopeless. They are hurting. They don't know any more about life and what life means than you do or I do. Because all they've done is try to fill that void and fill that emptiness with pleasure. With pleasure. But the emptiness that they're drowning out is the very thing that could lead them to something more if they would stop trying to push it away. Amen. It's amazing to me, Pastor Cameron, how far God will go to reach somebody. It's amazing. It blows my my puny little mind to see how over my entire short lifespan that God has never stopped pulling and never stopped tugging. You may not realize it right now, but you will look back and realize that God was always speaking and tugging. If you give yourself to him and surrender to him and to that voice, you will be able to look back and see his handprints and his fingerprints all over your life. But it's only going to happen when you give yourself to him, when you surrender yourself to him and that voice. You will realize that he never left you. He never forsook you. He was there the entire time. It's what happened to me. I won't give the whole story of my teenage years living away from God. What walked away from him, walked away from what I had, all kinds of tumultuous trials and problems in my life and parents splitting up and divorce and moving across the country and losing our church and so on and so forth and all, all kinds of pain and problems. 
And instead of turning to, to God at 14 years old, I began to turn to substance. And I began to turn to parties. And I began to turn to relationships. And I began to turn to addictions. And I began to turn on to all kinds of things. And, and even though I knew what was right and was true, I just had convinced myself that God didn't care about me. That God didn't love me. And the more that I did my junk and the more that I did my sin, it just made me believe that even more. Well, now that God, if he loved me before, he definitely doesn't love me now. After he saw what I did Friday night, he definitely doesn't love me now. And I fell into that line, into that trap, and into that cycle. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't until I gave my life to God at 17 years old in a small storage closet in St. Louis, Missouri, that's now a bedroom, in my grandfather's basement. I went into that storage closet filled with all kinds of junk and cobwebs. Amen. And I got down on my knees. And I had finally had enough of running. I had finally had enough of my sin. And at 17 years old, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you my story. I got down on my knees, amen, and I repented of my sins. I told God I was sorry and that I didn't want to live that way anymore. And I wasn't going to run anymore. And I lifted my hands and God filled me with his spirit. I began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave the utterance, as it says in Acts chapter 2, amen. And I did not leave that room for almost two days, just praying and crying. I barely left the room to get water and food. I barely ate because God was working on me and, and God was doing a powerful work of repentance and restoration in yes, me. And yes. when I came out of that room at 17 years old, I was never the same again. Have I been perfect since? Am I am I, am I no longer human? Am I like a, 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 an angel or a God? Of course not. I'm human just like you. But I can promise you since that moment of conversion, I have never, ever been the same again. And that was seven years ago and I'm standing here before you by God's grace, a testimony to what happens when you respond to the voice, when you give yourself to that God that's been pulling and talking and trying to let you know there's more and there's greater for a long time. It was once I gave my life to him that I realized, I realized all kinds of things throughout those years where God was helping me and protecting me. Things that I thought were coincidence or maybe I had completely forgotten. I realized, no, that was God. What, what, about, what about when I was driving down the road with my cousin? What about when I was driving down the road with, with a, a person that, that he was my ride or die buddy? He was the one that we would go buy drugs and we would go sell drugs together and we would do drugs together. And we were riding down the road in Missouri in his red truck. And I remember it was the craziest moment at the same time he and I both blacked out while he was driving right before we were passing through a busy intersection. And it was not until about, I think, a mile, maybe a mile and a half down the road that, that, that I, I cannot explain it to you. All I can tell you is that we both snapped awake at the same moment and, and saw each other in our peripheral vision, snapping awake, realizing it had just happened to both of us. And we looked over at each other, and we didn't say anything, but we realized what had just happened. We both had just blacked out. Now, we never talked about it since because he's still not living for God. But it was God that showed me later. You know why that you didn't end up in a 10-car pileup in that intersection? You know why you didn't end up plowed into the back of another vehicle or into all those buildings around you when you should have, even though both of you had completely lost conscience for a mile and a half? Yeah, you thought that was coincidence? No, that was me. 
that was me. That was my hand. That was my voice saving you, preserving you. You did not realize it until now. And I'm telling you, God showed me thing after thing after thing. His handprints and his fingerprints all over my life. Just because you don't yet know the voice of God does not mean the voice has not been speaking to you. Just because you don't yet know what his hands really feel like does not mean his hands have not been touching you and holding you and pulling on you. Oh, somebody praise him right now. Come on, I'm almost done. Somebody praise God's been speaking. God's been speaking. And when you give yourself to him, you're going to realize he's been speaking. He's been talking. He didn't leave me lonely like I thought he did. When you come to know the voice, the God behind the voice. I'm closer to being done than you think, but let me just tell you. In John chapter 10, verses 4 through 5, the Bible says that when he puts forth his own sheep, that's Jesus, he goes before them, and his sheep, and the sheep follow him. Why? Why do the sheep follow him? The Bible says, for they know his voice. For they know his voice. In verse 5, and the stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. Why? For they know not the voice of strangers. Once you become one of his sheep, you will come to know his voice. But until then, you are only going to hear the, and know the voices of strangers. The reason why you may not be happy or fulfilled right now is because the only voices that you know are the voices of strange people and strange things. People and things who do not care about you the way God does. People and things that do not want what's best for you as much as you may have thought they did. All you know when you go to get advice because you don't yet know the voice of God, all that's at your, your resources, all that is available to you are the voices of strange Strangers, strange spirits, strange things. Those friends that say they care so much about you, yet they keep pulling you into the vortex of the party life every Friday and Saturday night. And they keep damaging your liver by pouring alcohol down your throat. And they keep damaging your body by suggesting drugs and so on and so forth. Because all you know is the voices of strangers. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, a bad man, or bad. It just it just means that this is all you've known thus far. And so you keep going back to it over and over and over again. You try to distance yourself, but that text comes in. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Why don't you come with me? I, I, noticed, I noticed by some of your posts on social media, you seem a little lonely. Why don't you come hang out with me? And all you know are those voices of strangers. And so the cycle continues. You're looking for financial advice, and you go to people that, that don't even know how to balance their own checkbook. Wow. And it's just a strange voice. You're looking for relationship advice, but because you don't have the right voices in your life, you're, you're getting advice from someone that's on their third or fourth marriage. Right? People that are that are strangers, people, you're, you're just desperately looking for answers and for hope, and I understand why you would, but if I could propose to you, if you're looking and trying to listen to the voices of strangers, then you're looking in the wrong place. You need to know the voice of God. You need to know the voice of God and people who do care about you and who can share with you the right advice and share with you what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go. Once you know his voice, 
The Bible says you will flee from the voices of strangers. You won't be confused by them anymore. You won't be duped by them anymore. But because now you know the difference, you will flee from the voices of strangers. You will run from that bad advice. You will run from those parties. You will run from those addictions. You'll be able to run from that deadbeat boyfriend, that deadbeat girlfriend, amen, that has not been good and not been helpful for you. Once you know the voice because people are so desperate to have a voice, to have people speaking in their lives, and, and they'll take anything, not realizing that there's something more, there's something better. You know, it's it's really not. It's really not that our desires are too strong. You know, God, I can't I can't live for you. My desires are too strong. I love alcohol too much. I love I love I love drugs too much. Or I love entertainment. Or all these relationships I'm in too much. My desires are too strong. It's not that our desires are too strong. It's it's that it's that actually our desires it, it, it's that it's that we're too weak. Because because God says, hey, there's more, and and we can be too too ignorant sometimes to realize that there's more, that there's better. Yeah. And it's that our desires are too weak. It's that we just kind of get lazy with them. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like when you. You, you go to a child that's playing in an apartment complex and just building a little castle out of mud. And you tell them that, hey, we're going to go take a vacation by the seashore. And you can build a real castle with real sand. And the kid's like, no, I don't think so. I'll just stay here. It's not that his desire is too strong. It's that he's far too easily pleased. It's that his desires are too weak. And he's fine sitting there building the sand castle out of mud. Even though mom and dad are saying, hey, there's something way better. How about a holiday at the sea? And he's just fine there hanging out in the mud, hanging out in the complex. It's not that our desires are just so strong that we can't overcome them. It's that we're far too easily pleased and we're far too easily satisfied when there's something so much better and so much greater out there waiting for us. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. I hope you know I'm speaking this truth in love. I'm speaking this truth because I feel the heart of God beating in me and he's wanting you to come up higher and come up deeper. Oh, I can't tell you how many people, oh, I can't tell you how many people I've preached to that have stayed in the same rut because they listen to the voices of others instead of listening to the voices of God. I can't tell you how many times I've seen young women, young ladies that are that are beautiful and great people and they deserve respect and they deserve value, but, but they don't realize that. They don't have a revelation of that and so they don't treat themselves with respect. They don't treat themselves with value. Maybe because they never had a dad or, or maybe because their upbringing was just so rough and that's certainly not their fault. And so they stay in this cycle because they want a voice in their life so bad. So they're willing to go back and back and back to that voice even if that voice is not good for them. Even if that voice is not healthy or helpful and they try to make their distance and they say, no, 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 I, 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 I'm turning over a new leaf. I, this is the new me. I, I don't need you anymore. Amen. But, but then a week passes and that loneliness comes and because they don't have God to fill that loneliness, when that text comes in from that deadbeat guy that says, hey, want to hang out tonight? Want to come hang out with me this weekend? Yes. Because you know nothing else. And because all you've known is the voices of strangers. Yeah. You pick up that text, that phone, even though you don't want to. And you respond and you say yes. And you end up doing another weekend of things that you don't want to do. And you end up self-loathing. And you end up just in, in more pain because you know that's not the voice you want, but you don't know where else to go. And I'm here as a messenger of God to give you the answer this morning. I'll let you know where the something more is. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in Him. 
It's in a relationship with him. The answer is his spirit. The answer is his presence. The answer is the house of God. The answer is his voice. The voice that's not just speaking for everyone else, but speaking for your sake. The voice that's not just thunder and happenstance. The voice that's for you. The presence that isn't for everyone else. The presence that's for you. The cross and the crucifixion and the blood that was shed. Not just for everyone else or perfect sinless people, but for you and for me. That's the answer. That's the answer. Come to know the voice, the, the, the God behind the voice that's been trying to talk to you for so long. Hebrews 3 and 15, I'm done. I wonder if my wife would come. Hebrews 3 and 15 says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Today. There's, the, there's a power in today, not tomorrow. Well, well maybe it will be more convenient on Wednesday or next Sunday. No, no, no. Today, if you would soften your hearts, if you would not harden them, hear his voice. He's calling you, sir, and he's calling you, ma'am. He's, he's, he's calling you. Yes, yes, I want to do something for you. I want to fill you with my spirit today. Yes, now is your time. Now is your moment. Now is the time for you to step into that greater life that you've been craving. Now is the time. That was the time. He's calling you, sir. And he's tugging on you, ma'am. He's knocking. He stands at the door and knocks. I wonder if we could stand all over this house. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am here as a product of grace. I am here as nothing special. All I am is a man that finally... All I am is a man that finally... Stopped running from the voice of God. That's it. Because once you stop running and you start surrendering, everything changes. Everything changes. Your sense of humor changes for the better. Your 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 your, your attitude, the way you look at life changes, your perspective changes, the way you treat others changes. Everything changes in him. Things that battles that you never thought you'd be able to conquer now when you're living for Jesus Christ. Yeah, you can conquer them by his strength and his grace. Now I'll tell you a story. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. Jesus is still the answer. His spirit is here. And I, I'm going to tell you one more thing. And when I'm done, listen very closely. When I'm done, we're, we're going to make as much room as we can. I know there's not much room around this altar. But just press forward and come in just a minute when I invite you. And if you come and you pray and you lift your hands and you do what Peter said to do in Acts 2, you repent of your sins. You tell God you're sorry for them and that you don't want to go back to those things. And then after that, you just thank him for forgiving you. Because the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you repent, then he'll forgive you. And all you've got to do is thank him for forgiving you and worship and praise him and surrender your heart to him this morning. And he will fill you with his spirit. How will you know? Because you'll speak in a heavenly language that only God can give. Something will flow out of your mouth just like it happened for you and you and several others these past week. You'll begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Knowing for forever with 100% certainty that that God that you thought was so distant and far away has now just stepped into your life and filled your heart. Oh, hallelujah. I heard a story. I'm done. I heard a story of a man named... Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I need to tell you this. Because someone's right there, right now. Someone's right there on the precipice. And you're, you're, you're about to make a decision. And I believe God's going to help you with that decision right now. 
I heard a story that changed my life of a man named Admiral James Stockdale. And he was in either Vietnam or World War II, I can't remember. But he was in one of the worst prison camps that that war had ever known. And the enemy captured him. And the enemy captured his men, his squad, his platoon. And because he was the highest ranking officer, because he had the greatest potential, they took him out into the courtyard and tied his hands behind his back. Brutal hot temperatures. Gave him no food and gave him no water. And began to whip him brutally for three days. No food, no water, extreme heat. Whipping him, beating him, kicking him, punching him, everything you can imagine. His eyes swollen shut due to the bruises. His lips cracking due to the heat. His, his mind playing tricks on him and seeing hallucinations because of the water and the heat. And he tells the story about how he came to the point where he knew he was at death's door. He knew he was about to die. He could feel it. He could know it. He could feel the life ebbing out of him. And all of a sudden, in that moment right there at death's door, he began to hear a sound. His ears perked up to the sound, and as he listened deeper and listened more, he realized that that sound was not a new sound. But that sound had been going on the entire three days he was in that courtyard. He knew it was there because it was just in the background of his mind. It was just this buzzing, but he never tuned into it. But now he's tuning into it and he's focusing. And all of a sudden, he realizes that it's more than just a sound. It's more than just happenstance. It was actually a message being sent to him. His men behind the prison bars that could view him out in the courtyard, his men that needed him, had taken shifts nonstop for three days and three nights. And they had taken some kind of, they had taken some kind of, I think, rag and pots and pans. They rigged this system. And they were making this sound for three days straight. And it was, what it really was is it was a message in Morse code for three days. And they kept telling him, the message was, don't give up, Admiral. Don't die on us, Admiral. We need you, Admiral. There's hope, Admiral. Over and over and over all day and all night for three days straight. And he said the moment for the Camarena that his ears tuned into that message and he started realizing what was being relayed to him, that was the moment when his life flowed back into his bones. That was the moment where he knew if I could just hold on a little bit longer, I will live through this, I will survive. And he did survive and he went on to write about it and tell about the tale. I'm here to tell someone this morning that just because you don't yet recognize the voice, just because he did not recognize what the sound was, did not mean that the message was not going forth the entire three days. And just because you don't yet know the voice of God does not mean that voice has not been speaking in your courtyard and your prison of pain for the past months, for the past years, through all throughout your life. The voice has been speaking. The voice has been speaking. And you know what it's saying right now? I believe some of you are going to start hearing it and feeling it right now in this moment. Don't give up, sir. Don't, don't die on me, sir. Don't die on me, man. Come on, don't, don't give up on your marriage. It's not over. Why, why don't you give that marriage to me and let me mend it, let me mold it? <laughs> Come on, it's, it's not over. Your life isn't over. I, I, I know I saw the syringes. I saw the needles. I saw the pipes. Don't, but don't die on me. Don't give up on me. I've been speaking to you. I've been trying to get your attention. Yeah, I saw the boyfriends and I saw the girlfriends. I, I know you're only doing that because you're in pain, not because you're a horrible person. I want to I make you whole. Why don't you come to me? All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. 
I'm done preaching. I wonder if we could raise our hands all over this house. The voice of God has, has been speaking, and He's speaking to us right now in this service, right now in this moment. Come on, would you raise your hands? Would you close your eyes? Come on, would you respond to that voice that's been speaking? Would you respond to that voice that's been speaking? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just close your eyes. Don't worry about anyone else around you. Why don't you just try Jesus? Why don't you just talk to him? Jesus is in this place. spotlight, the spotlight was on the word and on the preaching a minute ago. Now the spotlight's on you because now it's your chance to respond. If you feel like God's been speaking to you and or if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the very first time I want to invite you to come to this front. If you feel like God's been speaking to you and or if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the first time, I want to invite you to come to this front to exercise your faith. Amen. I don't feel any fear. I feel faith right now. Amen. Amen. That's it. Come on. God's already filled three. God can fill more. God can touch more. Hallelujah. God can do more in one moment of repentance. Amen. The, the, the years of counseling, the years of anything else. I'm going to give it just a few seconds. I'm going to give it just a minute here because I know God's pulling on us. God's tugging on us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you take a step of faith? You say, preacher, why do we do that? It's a step of faith. It's an emblem. It's a symbol to God. God, I'm receiving what you're saying. Just like when we lift our hands, it's a symbol of surrender. And when we take our feet and we walk to the front of this altar and lift our hands, it's a symbol and a sign of surrender. Come on, I wonder if anybody right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, not nobody looking around. Come on. I wonder if anybody has the faith this morning. You want to respond to what God has spoken to you. Would you come? Anybody? Hallelujah. You want to respond to what God has spoken. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The voice has been speaking to you and telling you, I've got more for you. I want to renew you. I want to fill you. Thank you, brother, for your faith. You just come up as close as you can. You just lift your hands and just begin talking to Jesus right now. That's it. That's it. Thank you, brother, for your faith. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. Anyone else wants to come and express your faith? 